Maybe you see all the results and, and when we talk, it looks like magic, but it takes a lot of time. For example, the group interview, it is like one week from one person, you know? We invest a lot of time in the people and this is the result. Hello, this is Owen Bennett-Jones. Welcome to Make or Break, where I speak to remarkable people who reached a moment where they just had to make up their mind. With guests spanning from across the business world, we'll unpack those critical moments and explore how these CEOs and entrepreneurs managed uncertainty. This week, I'm speaking to two guests from the Buenos Aires-based tech company Ten Pines. Jorge Silva and Angie Teller-Arena are two software engineers making things like apps, online loyalty cards, and e-commerce platforms for clients, including Starbucks and Burger King. And Ten Pines is far from your average firm. It has some unusual characteristics, and it all comes down to its structure. Ten Pines is a collectivist organization that has no real hierarchy. There are no managers or CEOs, and all staff are expected to contribute to key decisions, including hiring, firing, and even setting each other's salaries. Since its inception in 2009, Ten Pines has grown to over 85 employees and has generated more than $3 million in sales. The company believes that a lot of its success comes down to this unique company culture. Employees feel they have skin in the game and staff turnover is less than 5%, far below the industry average. Operating a successful business this way is no doubt extraordinary, but the question is, can it scale without compromising its values? So welcome to you both. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. And let's just start with you, Jorge, as the co-founder, one of the co-founders of the company. Just take us back to what the company was when you started and how you structured it. What, what, how did it begin? So the company was started with uh, f uh, four people in 2008, 2009. At the beginning, you know, we tried to create a company that solved some of the problems that we face and, and, and we saw at the industry. Tempines is a software development company. So in that industry, you can find a lot of turnover, not so good quality software. So we try to face all the, those problems to get people more committed with the with with the company and with the work and 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 try to to create a a place where one can live and work at the same time and and and, and be happy. There are a lot of movements and a lot of uh, communities that try to reinvent how we work, how you make decisions in a collaborative way, how you manage information, how to have a, a bold profit sharing policy, uh, how to hire people, and we took some of those ideas and we create what is work for us. Tell us how that worked in practice. So you had four of you, you said at the beginning. Yeah. And the time must have come when you needed to hire a fifth. Yeah. You know, because you were getting bigger, making more software. So how did you go about that? And what status did the fifth person have? Were they equal to you or were they employed by you? How did that work? At the beginning, it wasn't like hiring people. It was more like, do you want to join us in this project? Because it was like an experiment. We didn't know uh, how this is going to end. And, and 
I think the first person that joined us was a friend and colleague of me. Actually, he was um, he was a student at one of my courses because I was at, at, at the university. I was teaching at the university, so we we do some kind of of software test. Um, then we had him, and that's it. Okay, but just so I understand the collective aspect of this, you, obviously you thought he was uh, capable of the job, but then did he become a fifth equal partner of your original four, or was there a hierarchy now, four with one underneath? Well, at the beginning, when you are like five, it's like we are all equals, and we don't have bosses, we don't have a manager. This was like the mindset that we have for several years until we started to to have more uh, diversity in the in the in the team and in the uh, experience, right? So at that moment, uh, he was one of us, and we were uh, making decisions all together. So you, you you've got five, six, seven people, and you're still managing to make all the decisions collectively. Let's yeah. let's just hear from Angie now because. You joined the company, Angie. What number employee were you, can I ask? Do you know, were you sort of about the 12th or 13th or 20th? Or Yeah, I think I was number 30. So the company's doing really well and you're up to 30 now. Well done, Jorge. Brilliant. It's all working smoothly. Uh, and uh, so tell me this, Angie, when you got there, if you were hiring number 31, let's say you were number 30, uh, and it came to number 31, did you participate in a meeting of all the 30? to discuss who they would hire next? Um, I don't think I did for number 31, but probably for the 34th or 5th, because uh, the idea was that when we started to be an interesting number of people, that when uh, someone first joined, they would take a couple of months, like their their trial months, you know, to understand better the culture and uh, the work that they're going to do, because we manage the company, but our main task is to develop software. So the idea is that the first months you uh, take them to understand how everything works. And after you are uh, better settled in, uh, that's when you get to join uh, this group. Like everyone eventually uh, joins the circle of people that make the decisions. Uh, but at the beginning, it's better to just take it easy, you know, first understand how everything works and then join. So uh, I think it was like after three or maybe four months that I was able to join in the interview process and like making decisions overall. Okay, so I take the point. There's a probationary period, as it were, at the beginning, and you got to be integrated into the company. But th but then you were part of this collective. So I mean, how on earth does that work if you've got 33 people deciding who's going to be hired? I mean, that sounds like a total nightmare. <laughs> Uh, I know it sounds like it, but it's it's not that terrible. Uh, we are very process-oriented, and um, we try to make sure that the meaning of it is always there and that everyone has the goal of what we wanted to do, that it's clear for everyone. And we rely on the processes that we have because we know that they work, you know? So, for example, the recruiting team has three stages so we know how many people have to be involved at least and people already know that hands are going to be needed. So it's usually uh, a matter of, are you interested in working on this? Or if no one is interested, the point is, we know that this needs to be done. So we need people who can volunteer to do this task. 
there's always someone willing to take care of things because we know what needs to be done and people just join the process and they do interviews and they check on the technical exercises. Then we have the group interview that with as many people that want to join the interview. We know that there's a lot of people in that interview that will want to ask a lot of questions. So we try to uh, get everyone queued up and not to, to step on each other, mostly now that we're doing everything via calls, you know? Okay, so, so let me just ask, because that's slightly different from what I imagined. I thought all 33 would participate. But what you're saying actually is that all 33 could participate in, in that decision if they wanted to. So when it came to hiring number 34 or number 35, roughly how many people were in the room? Well, I don't remember all group interviews, but I surely remember mine because of the feeling of, of seeing people getting into the room and more people every time. I think for mine, at least there were 20 people. And I think up to this day, at least 20 people join on the group interviews. Right now, with, uh, we are uh, almost 90. And right now, the interviews that I assisted was like, I think 40 people, maybe 35, 40 people. And yes, it might sound chaotic, but uh, the interview is it, it, it's an interview uh, with a context of knowing the culture and knowing each other. I will say, I will say that there are two main ideas. Uh, the first one is that you as a Tempine em employee, let's say, or, or, or co-worker, uh, you have the opportunity to choose your co-workers, the, the, the people that is going to work with you. And that was one of the, the main problems in our industry, that you have like the decision of uh, hiring uh, centralized in a group of people that are not going to work with that person. And the second one, it is like, it sounds, uh, maybe it may sound like, like chaotic or, or difficult to make the decision, but we use something that we, uh, that we call consent. And the idea is that at the end of the interview, uh, when the candidate is gone, we ask ourselves if there is anyone that will not work with that people. And this question is like, a, like a, you have to think and, 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 and you have to, to, to be rational on that. And it worked for us really good. It's like you have a lot of people trying to understand what is uh, in front of them. And, and it's better than one or two people that is judging the, 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 the candidate. And, you know, we were working with this approach uh, for, for more than 10 years and we are more than 80 people. So I think that the model is working somehow. It's very, very interesting, but it does raise lots of issues. So let me ask what happens when an employee, uh, no, not employee, a co-worker, let me get that right, when a co-worker uh, is unproductive, lazy, <laughs> idle, and they need to be fired. I, mean, I, I presume you don't have a collective meeting to fire people, do you? I mean, that would get horrendous. Well, we kind of do, actually. But the, the funny thing to it is that we never had to fire anyone that had past uh, the, the probation period, you could say. So we never had to fire someone that was already in this circle of decision-making, so it wasn't that awkward. But uh, we do have an extensive program to, for, for mentoring and for making sure that everyone has someone with more experience that can help them. And we also, when we feel that someone is maybe not performing right or they are having like a bad team attitude, uh, we try to help those people and tell them what is not working and how they could 
make it uh, right. So we try to be really effective on that because we we feel if we have to let people go, that's that's a loss for us. It's something that we don't like to do because because of how we run things here. We really trust that people can like get their best on the table. So we never had to fire someone that was in the decision making circle. So I think that says a lot. Yeah, I I I, I would say that uh, in these twelve years we fire, I think like four people, just four people. And the four uh, of them were in in this trial period, uh, and and it wasn't because of a cultural mismatch or, or or because they didn't fit in a cultural sense of point of view, but it was more in the in in in, in the technical uh, experience because we thought that they had more experience and 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 they don't and and but most of the time we think that we have to find how to help that people to get the 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 their best uh, version of of it um i don't believe that people are lazy uh they don't want to 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 do things they are trying to to do the less effort if they are happy uh, with their work if they are motivated i think that they are going to 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 get the best of of them If you're enjoying listening to our podcast and feel inspired by some of the leaders you're hearing make tough decisions in make-or-break situations, you may want to equip yourself with the skills and capabilities to make your own difficult decisions. If so, the Open University's micro-credential, Management of Uncertainty, Leadership, Decisions and Actions is designed for you. Visit openuniversity.co.uk forward slash management to find out more. One area that truly makes Ten Pines stand out is its attitude to pay. Salaries at Ten Pines are entirely transparent. Every year, 50% of the company's profit is shared amongst the staff, with regular meetings held so that people can openly discuss their salaries and ask for a raise. And while you might expect any employee to jump at the chance of an increase in pay, that isn't always what happens. Last year, one co-worker turned down a proposed 7% pay rise. He said he felt his level of experience didn't match up to his better paid colleagues. Under the system, most people who feel they do deserve a raise are likely to receive one, and those who don't put themselves forward are often encouraged to do so. Ten Pines believes that although unorthodox, This more collectivist approach has some clear advantages over the traditional methods which can lead to issues like gender pay gaps and inflated bonuses for CEOs. By keeping the playing field level, Ten Pines has created an unusually content workforce which can see real value in helping each other to develop and thrive. There must have been times, Jorge and Angie, when you thought, you know what, this isn't working brilliantly. We're getting too big for this collectivist approach that we're running into problems. What what problems were there and what did you do about it? We have an annual retreat uh, every March uh, where we get away and try to think how what has happened this the past year and what we want to do next year. And I think a couple of years ago, uh, I think it was on 2016 or maybe 17, um, 
the the conversations that we were having were around how some things felt uncomfortable, how the decision-making meetings weren't feeling super productive and things like that. And we realized it was mostly because we were uh, many people and that the processes that we had built up to that point weren't working for how many people we were at that, at, at that moment. So um, what we tried to do was to keep the same values and the same goals that we wanted to, to achieve, but tweaking the processes to make sure that they work for the amount of people that we were at that point. And I think it has become sort of a pattern for us when we just trust that time itself, itself will tell us when something is not working and that we will need to adjust it. But so far it has been like that. Uh, we had to make a significant point where things changed completely. It was more of a, we'll trust uh, that we will change things whenever they need to be changed. Uh, and that has worked for us. So we have an online tool that's called Lumio. Uh, for That's for online decision-making. And for the decisions that are probably more fast to be, to be uh, made and that don't require much debate or humans uh, chiming in with their opinions. Uh, we move those decisions there. So we now have these two ways of uh, just making the company decisions. And um, whenever we have a decision on that tool that we realize after uh, publishing it that it maybe needs more uh, discussion, we just stop the debate there and bring it over to the live meeting. I mean, most of us are software engineers, so we tend to try to solve our problems with software and it works for us right now. So, so Jorge, when that sort of thing happened, people saying, you know, there are too many people in the room, let's move some of this online. Did you feel that was a retreat from your original vision? Or did you think, no, that's fine. That's just uh, innovation. That's what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the same retreat, I think, where we... Uh, we were turning uh, 50 people and we started to have a, a lot of different uh, uh, diversity in terms of seniority. We have like junior people, senior people, semi-senior people. That was uh, something that it wasn't happened uh, before. Uh, we were all seniors and, and this is a different company when you have all uh, senior people. Uh, when you start to have more junior and, and more diversity in terms of experience, you you need uh, different tools and 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 and, and different uh, policies and 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 we started to think uh, to see that uh, some of the 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 meetings, as um, Angie said, uh, didn't work in terms of try to listen all the all the voices. Uh, we interrupt each other. We we step on e each other uh, opinions. Uh, it was more like a mess. And when we were getting uh, more people, we started to, to, to see that. So we tried uh, to, to build uh, tools, as uh, Angie said. We also uh, create like a, like a program to have mentors because we understood that there was a need in the, in the, in the junior people to see how to grow. So at that moment, we, we started to think that the, the company is going uh, uh, bigger, uh, so we need to change things, and we always think to grow, and and we always think that yeah, we can grow and 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 get bigger as long as we take care of the culture, to take care of our values and our ideas, and and this is to make uh, participatory uh, decisions, to have a full transparency 
and to have this uh, profit share policy that, that, that is important for us. But even so, you use the word mentor. And to me, mentor means hierarchy because the mentor is senior to the mentee. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it could be a, a hierarchy. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, I would say that we have a lot of hierarchies, a lot of different hierarchies, but the, the, the difference with the traditional companies that that hierarchy, it is not fixed. If you are the mentor in one in in one relationship, that doesn't mean that when you have to make a, another de- completely different decision, you are going to be the boss. Angie, what do you think? We do have leaders, uh, but in the sense of people that lead the way because they have more experience or because they have a better view of the the path that we need to take. For example, with the clients we have for uh, software development or for any strategic group we have for uh, the management of the company. Um, But as Jorge said, that doesn't mean that it's a fixed role or that they have the last word on everything. The leaders can change or the leaders can move into some different tasks. So um, it's not something that relates to hierarchy other than uh, relates to experience and or and who you can lean on when you need someone to to give you like an, an advice or or help you with something that maybe you're not so experienced in. Okay, so you reached a certain threshold and you thought you needed to adapt as more people joined the company. But I can't help wondering, isn't there an upper limit to this? Do you think you can double, triple in size and still keep these ideas? I will say there is no limit. Uh, what you have to find is the way of keeping your um, values and, 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 and keep these ideas alive. This is the challenge. But I will say that this is a challenge for every company. Uh, if you have a traditional company, you also have to uh, uh, go through this challenge of how you scale and how you grow. It's similar, but keeping different uh, values, right? What about clients? Are there clients who say, I don't want to work with a bunch of idealistic <laughs> nutters? I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm going to go to a conventional company where they, where they pay everyone normally. <laughs> well, I, I think, yeah, at the beginning, you know, at the beginning we were like, like a septic, but as, as time goes by, we, we saw and we understood that, that the customer really appreciate this because of the effect that this generates in the, in the people, you know? We have, like I told you, a, a really low turnover, like uh, four or five times lower than the average in our industry. Uh, and this is a really uh, interesting impact for the customer because they don't have turnover in their own teams. So most of the time we have people that is that has more year in, in, the, in the customer than his own employees. And this is really valuable for them because we keep all the knowledge and, and, and we can help them uh, in a better way. So I will say that right now, the culture, it, it is what makes us special and, and better in terms of the competition. It's actually fascinating what you're describing because it's so different from most companies. And I just wonder, Jorge or Angie, when you describe this to your friends who are working for more conventional companies, you know, what do they say to you? What, 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 what sort of reactions do you get to this? I would say, to, uh, for me, I, 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 have, uh, I get two reactions. Uh, one is, yeah, I, I don't believe you. This does not exist. And the second is, uh, where can I send my resume? They want to work for you immediately. Yeah. 
Yeah, mixed reactions. A lot of people want to learn more. I've also had a cousin of mine that when I told him the full story, his response was, your bosses are going to get all your money and then fly out the country. So he did, I, th I don't think he got the full picture. So let me ask you both then, what advice would you give to anyone who is thinking about incorporating these ideas into their business? I would say, um, give it a shot. Try to try to do things this way. Not only because it is, uh, you could say, the right thing to do in a more roman romantic way, because it's also proven that this works, that there are a lot of papers that uh, show that people that are more engaged and, and happy in their workplace perform better, the company performs better overall. And um, it's also pretty rewarding and it's, It's really good to go to a place and, and work in a place where you are engaged with what you do and with the people you feel connected in a, in a different way with the people you work with because you all have the same goal in common that is just like be okay and make sure that everyone is happy with what they're doing. And it's even easier if you do it from scratch rather than trying to start it when you are already a hierarchical, the typical company, you know? So I think that's that's a perfect uh, place to, to try. I would say um, these things take time. Uh, maybe you see all the results and, and when we uh, talk, it looks like magic, like, like, like this is a magic kingdom or, or whatever, but it takes a lot of time. For example, the, the, the group interview, it is like, one week from one person, you know? We invest a lot of time in these kind of things. We, let, we, we invest a lot of time in the people and this is the result. It, it is not magical. It is not something that, 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 that you can uh, get easily. It, you have to invest. So the, the first thing will be if you want a different thing, you have to invest. And the second thing will be uh, that if you want to change the world, Uh, you have to uh, start with the little things, you know, and, and try to create this uh, change reaction where one thing leads to another, to another, to another. And one, one time you are going to see that you are getting a big impact in the world because of all the small things that you have done in the past. And this is the way of changing the world. One at a time, step by step, but little by little. So... I, th this is a lead what I learned from the from from the past 12 years. Well, thank you both very much, uh, Jorge Silva and Angie Tellier Arena. Thanks very much for telling us about the way you've run your company and made it grow from four to 90 employees. Nope, co-workers. <laughs> thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Radio Wolfgang for Audi. It was presented by me, Owen Bennett Jones, and it featured Jorge Silva and Angie Tellier Arena. It was produced by John Joe Devlin with editing by Eli Block and sound design by Palama Kaufman. The executive producer was Ellie Di Martino with support from the Open University. <laughs>